Hello there, everybody, and welcome to HPAC On The Air, the monthly podcast of HPAC Engineering Magazine. I'm Rob McManamy, Editor-in-Chief of HPAC Engineering, a publication of Endeavor Business Media. Our returning guest this month is Nick Espinosa, a nationally renowned cybersecurity expert, author, podcaster, TEDx speaker, and a member of the Forbes Technology Council. In 2015, outside Chicago, Nick started his own consulting firm, Security Fanatics, from which he's been monitoring the broader internet as well as the dark web and consulting to a number of industries, including our own in engineering and construction. Now, we last spoke to Nick on this podcast in early 2021, and he hosted a popular webinar for us, for HPAC readers, on cybersecurity later that year. Of course, uh, technology continues to advance so quickly in our industry and, and our daily lives that we felt it was definitely time to revisit this subject to give, give our readers a refresher on the best safe practices they should be following in running their businesses and managing their projects. So, Nick, thanks so much for joining us today, and welcome back. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's good to be back. It's good to see you. Likewise. Now, to get things started, please just refresh our memories a bit about yourself, uh, your background in cybersecurity, and some of the related initiatives you've undertaken since we last spoke in uh, in 2021. Yeah, yeah. Well, as you mentioned, I'm the chief security fanatic of Security Fanatics. We do all things cybersecurity, cyber warfare, cyber terrorism, infrastructure, and government compliance related. And since we last spoke, we ended a pandemic and started a world war. So we've been busy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you're if you're looking at it from that sum. So some of the stuff that right. we've been working on uh, off and on as AF funding is working on um, developing cyber defense strategies with the United Nations ITU. Um, we're kind of in a pause at the moment on that. Um, I am also now the president of the Foundation for a Human Internet, a nonprofit um, that was uh, started uh, out of Human ID, which was a Harvard incubator, uh, basically to look at how we can anonymously and, and privately secure people on the internet, like dissidents around the world and, and autocratic governments, under autocratic governments, all that kind of stuff. So I'm excited for that. You know, and just, you know, on and on and on. Everybody's hacking everybody. So so we're always getting into something uh, here. And uh, the Ukraine war is no exception to that as well as we've been uh, involved in our own way in that. So so it's been it's been a busy couple of years since I've last seen you. It sure sounds like it. And uh, yeah. I appreciate you carving out some time for us today. Um, I know that you also, in, in addition to all the international um, and geopolitical stuff that you've been involved with, and, that uh, uh, you do still speak to uh, mechanical contractors, electrical oh, yeah. contractors, and, and uh, uh, SMACNA as well. So yeah. now, as someone who speaks to, to those groups, the contractors and engineers in our, in our industry, um, what can you tell us about some of the most common cybersecurity issues that are specific to the construction industry today? Yeah, well, I mean, so AEC in, in and of itself, I mean, I think is just a, a fascinating, fascinating field. And essentially, it's turning into basically a whole bunch of tech companies because the technology that is being leveraged, you know, in the construction, uh, you know, in construction on job sites, we've got drones, we've got automation, we have all these different things coming up in construction. And, and I like to tell my audiences, whether it's MCA, Nikos, Magna, you take your pick, whoever's listening to me is understand that the engine of the economy for your business isn't necessarily construction, it's technology that allows you to basically, you know, be a constructor, if you will, you know, because without the technology, you can't communicate with your crews, you can't bill, you can't order supplies, you know, everything relies on technology, and therefore everything relies on the defense of that technology as well. And so when we are looking at, uh, you know, anything in the AEC field, uh, understand that 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 entire field is one of the largest targets for for criminal hackers. And the reason being is there's an assumption of two different things. One, that there is cash on hand and two, that there are always deadlines to meet for GCs and other things. And so you will pay faster 
if you are a construction outfit uh, of any of any which way, shape, or form, because you know you you have to meet these deadlines for for larger organizations, and so and so that is a combination of a of a very serious problem. Not to mention the fact that many construction companies. You know they're family owned, which is nothing. Obviously, nothing wrong with that. But but there tends to be a well. We've done it this way for the last forty years. You know we're going to mm-hmm. continue to do it this way when, quite frankly, technology may be passing you by, or the defenses you put in ten years ago are just being outclassed by by every other player in the field. So so maintaining that vigilance is also important for construction as well. And I guess part of that it would be the. Um enormous collaboration that's needed for construction projects where I guess oh yeah and how so I guess it, it does it come down to like the the weakest link in the chain of of uh yeah of cybersecurity how do, how does how do projects uh ensure that that everybody's in compliance with each other I guess yeah. or or not that right. weak link right well I like I like to say that you know what is true for for internet capability is true for everything else in real life you're only as fast as your slowest connection <laughs> you know mm-hmm. and if you're mm-hmm. If your slowest connection just happens to be, you know, uh, a lack of security, when you are looking at all of those collaborative platforms that we have out there that construction is using for BIM and, you know, and everything else, that is a very serious problem because understand we're all in the ecosystem together. I don't care, you know, you could be MEP, you know, you could be another aspect of AEC, you're all collaborating together with that GC, you know, in one shared platform. And if you're the weakest link, if you're the one getting hit, you have the potential and the in to more significantly impact the other organizations you're collaborating with. And so now we've seen a push in cybersecurity uh, in all verticals, including construction for supply chain due diligence, meaning a lot of our listeners here uh, that are in construction, especially owners, may have received something from a larger company like a GC or, or another customer that basically says, here are 200 security questions. Please answer these questions before we're going to allow you to work on this job. So we know that you've got our architectural designs or other personal information, whatever that is, uh, basically stored in a secure and proper manner. It's why the whole Department of Defense is also creating the CMMC. This is something that a lot of the prime contractors in construction, like the large GCs of the world, are adopting, but they flow down to mechanical, electrical, plumbing, sheet metal, uh, you know, you name it, and you not you can't work on building that brand new shiny marine barracks in your area where you are the would be the incumbent with that GC if you don't have this certification. And so this is essentially the way the industry is moving. And it's not just construction, it's all verticals as it relates to the DOD and eventually the entire federal government and then state and local. But this is this is what's coming for construction and it's an it's an important thing. And as with it coming you say um I, I assume that it's here in, in lots of places already and and uh mm-hmm. um i guess i'm just curious with um, since we last talked or even uh, um uh maybe the, the time before that the over the last few years are there more and more uh ctos and, and cios at construction firms or, or in those aec uh, uh firms that you're dealing with are, are there technology uh um uh point people i guess when yes. you uh, consult with them Yes, we're, we're we're seeing we're seeing a growth in that as well, especially in in let's say the mid-sized companies and larger, because they're mm-hmm. the ones that have that internal maturity to make sure that they've got more buckets controlled by you know some internal czar or C-level person. Uh, but also, I think one of the biggest mistakes that a lot of companies make is that they're not differentiating between the overarching community that is information technology. We have carve-outs of specializations in the same way that doctors do. You know, I wouldn't go to my podiatrist for brain surgery. I'm not going to my neurosurgeon for footwork. I like to walk and think. 
So I'm going to the specialist for each one of those things, right? There's no difference in cybersecurity and, and, and information technology. IT people keep the lights on. They keep the infrastructure running. They are basically maintaining that engine of the economy. Cybersecurity is specialized in defending that just as a chief technology officer is looking at the different types of technology that a company can adopt in the next three to five years to make sure that they are maintaining com a competitive state against, against anybody else in their field. These are things that we specialize on. So as we see the adoption of a chief information officer that essentially runs IT or chief technology officer, um, you know, that let's say is driving that technology innovation forward for the company. The one that is lagging behind is the chief information security officer. And that is one of those ones that is just as critical, but is somewhat of a new position compared to those other two as cybersecurity becomes more relevant. The other problem we have with that, and I wrote this article for Forbes back in the end of 2022, is that my industry cybersecurity is feeling burnout. One third of my colleagues around my age basically want to go retire and open up puppy daycares or something because <laughs> it's a lot easier life, right? And so we have an experience gap. We've got almost 4 million bodies that we need for cybersecurity right now. And as much as colleges and universities are cranking up degrees and certifications, there is something to be said about that experience gap as well. And so if you are listening to this and you are in construction, finding good qualified cybersecurity help is difficult, but it is absolutely required for your business. Hey, let's go back to that number 4 million you just said there. Is that is that globally or what? what and that is that is globally. So the latest ISC2 report in November uh, was about 3.4 million. But the deficit obviously continues to increase as the old guard, you know, decides to retire or say, screw this. You know, the, the other the other problem that we have is that cybersecurity teams, especially at larger organizations, are understaffed. And so a lot of organizations per surveys realize, yeah, we know exactly what we need to do to get from point A to point B in terms of security. We just don't have the, the manpower to do it. You know, mm -hmm. and so so we are looking at a worldwide deficit right now. And it's not like the the hackers are gonna stop, right? And so so by virtue of that, it's you know, hug your local cybersecurity professional, buy us a beer, because <laughs> we're we're all stressed. You know, there's just so much going on right now, you know. And so that's I think an important consideration to make. Are the companies acknowledging at least that they they have a deficit in that area? That I mean, are they apportioning? Are they actively looking for the, to hire those people and, yes. and having trouble? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I and I will tell you this: when I when I get on stage and I have somebody raise my hand and ask me a question and say, "Hey, you know, my kid Junior is about to go into college. Should I put him or her into cybersecurity?" My default answer is yes, because absolutely, even if they totally suck at it, they will get hired for six figures <laughs> and move out of your basement. Because we are hiring everybody, we are throwing cash at this problem, uh, you mm -hmm. know, and and so and so we've got a new legion that are being trained. But again, there's that experience gap, right? I mean, think about that experienced, you know, pipe fitter or IBEW union laborer, right? That's mm -hmm. been on the job twenty years, and you've got that new guy just right out of you know the uh, the training. Is he going to have that experience when something unusual happens on a job site that that the the twenty year old veteran has seen a million times? No, these things have to be learned, and that's no different in any field. And so, as much as we are graduating in new cybersecurity professionals, they still need to be trained on the realities of this, not just the theories and concepts you learn, you know, in a classroom. So, so there's a lot of work that we have to do as a as an industry as well. Well, given the uh, I guess the, the the current state of affairs, which uh... Uh, and, and the shortage there that you're talking about for cybersecurity folks, what 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 do you tell uh, engineering firms? What can engineering firms or contractors, what, when you're appearing at these different uh, shows, what can they do to uh, protect their data and 
and and of course, you know, so much more folks working at home or working remotely and, and with iPads and everything. Are firms right. paying more attention to cybersecurity? Well, it sounds like they are paying more attention now to yeah. cybersecurity, but what are you giving them as as uh, uh, kind of basic tips to, to just to yeah. make sure that they're in, in the right space? Right. Well, starting starting in 2020, I mean, COVID dropped a supercharger. Mm-hmm. Absolute supercharger into into cybersecurity because what we had was a mass rush of companies to basically kick out all their employees from the office and have them work from home, you know. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of corners were cut. Uh, you know, hackers absolutely went nuts around the world. They were all using COVID nineteen as their lure to get you to click on something or do something. Can't find toilet paper? Click here. Can't find PPE? Click here. We all remember those days. But what that really underscored for us, uh, overarchingly, is that is that there is a a much greater consideration for remote work and collaboration. Now, this is something construction has always had because you can't have your laborers sitting in the office all day in front of a computer. They're out building things, right? And by virtue of that, they have technology in the field. And so so construction was a little better placed, at least for their workforce, uh, their, their construction crews, when that hit. But a lot of the offices got hit as well. And so I say all of that to say that the considerations stemming from that are make sure that you have good remote secure policies on all of your remote equipment, like good asset management. So you know where everything is. People can't steal your iPads. You know, you can geolocate them. You can encrypt them, all those kinds of things. Make sure you've got good threat detection in your life as well. Um, You know, uh, such as firewalls, endpoint detection response systems, really good backups. I can't tell you how many times a cloud-based backup has pulled the company out of the fire. When we get called and our number one call is that disaster. Oh my God, help. The world is burning down. I've never worked with you, but you know, um, and so those are things to do. But overarchingly, the very first thing, the very first thing I recommend every company to do as you are going down the cybersecurity road is to start training your people. It is so unbelievably important that they know how to spot the phishing email because as good as that spam filter is or that threat detection system is, if something gets through and it does happen, even to the best of those detection systems, at the end of the day, it's our eyeballs and our brain that are going to prevent us from actually believing Prince Ubuntu in Nigeria needs help with his revolution and to give him my credit card number. You know, I mean, these are things that we take for granted, but understand that the one thing that a hacker does is exploit trust. And so that's going to be your trust in the system that is going to be so secure, nothing can get through, or it's your trust that Prince Ubuntu from Nigeria really does need your help, or that Microsoft login is actually real. We have to train our people. That's where it starts. And then having good policies and procedures actually in place as well. Every business should have a a contingency plan. You should know exactly what to do in case you have a fire, a ransomware event, a tornado. If you're in Florida, you know, if meth gators or hurricaners show up, you know, like those are actual things, you can look them up. You know, and, and you see, yeah, literally meth gators and hurricanes. It's pretty amazing down in Florida. I don't know what that state does, but but I say all of this to say that that these are things that we need to be training for to make sure that you're not running around wasting time like a chicken with its head cut off. We've got to be focused, and so good policies and procedures is another thing that you should be working on as well. Well, I can't resist. Uh, I, just briefly, what what would be a meth gator or a hurricane? So a meth gator, and this this is true, I have a friend in Florida who has seen both for the record, but there was a rash of gators. People were basically flushing their meth, like methamphetamine in the toilet, you know, into the sewer system, and it was getting some of the alligators high. And so you had high 
you had alligators high on meth. <laughs> they were called meth gators. You can Google uh, this. I'm not making this up. Oh, no. And, well, and cocaine bear is a thing, right? There, yeah, cocaine. There you go. And the other one is yeah. hurricaneers. These are alligators due to hurricanes that get moved inland, and they wouldn't normally this be this far into into florida so like for example i have a friend outside of orlando uh hey dave if you're listening to this and literally when the hurricanes come through they don't really don't see alligators and now he's got alligators just walking around his neighborhood because <laughs> they got pushed there due to the hurricane so hurricaneers and meth gators there well you that's it uh, and that that's also good to know about from uh mm-hmm. I, I guess well you need security in all all forms you really do physical or otherwise or around the yard <laughs> okay yep um, well, I could kind of go into this too with, with and, and as the, the lines have blurred between work and home. And um, so beyond construction, since our industry members, you know, are certainly part of society too, as parents, children, siblings, and, and consumers of technology 24 seven, what, what are some of the cybersecurity practices that they should be implementing in their daily lives? I guess, you know, stuff that, that you do even. Yeah. Is. Yeah. So, I mean, it, you can look at things like for, so for kids, parental control apps, especially if your kids are younger, um, mm-hmm. you know, products like Bark, you can install it on Android or iPhone. Uh, you know, your kids basically have to check in, uh, you know, before they can install an app, understand what the apps do for your kids as well. They might have a social media function, or it might be a kid's game where they can chat, guess where predators like to hang out. You know, so those are things that 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 you can do to make sure that you're, you're keeping your kids safe, as well as educating and training them as well. But also what applies to business applies to homes. I'm not expecting anybody to spend $10,000 on a firewall, for example, but a business should, you know, if that's mm-hmm. They need, but you can get decent threat detection systems out there for for families. Um, you can also isolate things. So, for example, uh, you know, if I'm in my house, I have isolated wireless, uh, you know, for for aspects of my house, like uh, smart TVs, all that kind of stuff, and then my business computers like the one i'm sitting here talking to you on right now um, are isolated from that so if something gets hacked in my house that's like a consumer grade product none of my business stuff is is touched now you think oh my god nick well you've got all this knowledge to set something like this up well but a lot of basic wireless access points give you the ability to set up multiple broadcast names so you can have a smart tv or iot one that is separated from everything and you can have an internal computer one and and all of that and you can buy these you know at, at many consumer goods stores, big box stores as well, or Amazon or, you know, any of those places. So, so make sure that you're making good choices in those products, make sure you've got good threat detection. But at the end of the day, it really also does just come down to awareness and training, educate everybody. We have herd immunity in medicine, but we also have herd immunity in cybersecurity. We're all interconnected through messaging, uh, you know, email, you know, however we communicate and that's how infections can pass as well. So make sure you're, you're maintaining a good amount of vigilance on that. Don't reuse passwords. All your passwords should be unique. Enable multi-factor authentication. Uh, you know, it's free to use. You can go download an app like Authy, for example, or use the Microsoft Authenticator, one of those. There's a lot of different things that you can do, but but oftentimes what's good for business is good for home as well. And so so if you see business advice, you can you can apply that into a much smaller ecosystem like your house. Okay. Well, that's what was the, the name there? The did you say Authy? A-U-T-H? Yeah. Uh, A-U-T-H-Y, Authy. It's it's an authenticator app. It's made by Twilio. And you can basically, as you log into, let's say, Facebook or Amazon or any one of these, you can mm-hmm. pair the authenticator app. It's on your phone. It's encrypted. And it gives you a new code every 30 seconds. So when I log in with my username and password, I now have to basically punch in a code. If it's your home browser, you can save it so you don't have to use the code. But if I steal your username and password and try it over here on a browser that your logins don't know, I immediately get prompted for that six-digit code that I don't have access to. So it's it's another way to keep it 
to keep you secure. Gone are the days of single username and password. There's so many stolen usernames and passwords out there in the dark web. And we've seen so many companies and, and organizations get hit. Colonial Pipeline, basically a national panic on the Eastern seaboard after they got hit, single username and password logged them in. So, so make sure that you've got all of that in your life. Are there any, oh, then again, good, good advice. I'm trying to think of, uh, um, any, any specific construction examples lately or, uh, whether engineering or, or a contracting firm that you can think of that, uh, uh, that maybe we didn't, didn't see making the headlines, but you would no names of course, but, uh, yeah, yeah. Well, so there have been large construction companies that have gotten caught up in the move it data breach. We're up to uh, over 600 companies worldwide disclosing this massive breach when Russian hackers were able to walk into potentially thousands of clients using this piece of software publicly. Um, mm -hmm. But one recent case that we had was um, an AEC firm that had about 600 employees got completely locked out, just totally shut down um, by virtue of that. And the attackers wanted um, $5 million in ransom uh, you know, for this, uh, able to negotiate it down to just over one. And then the insurance paid out on that to let's say, I think it was like 900,000 or whatever it was, whatever their deductible was. Um, but the mess, the moral of the story is cyber insurance completely saved them, but also understand that if you're not, if you don't have good security controls and your insurance has to pay out, your premiums go up. The first year they had their insurance, they paid $20,000 for that level of coverage. And when they went to re-up after that incident, even though they had put in all of the more advanced stuff, enabled everything, the insurance company said, yeah, we'll re-up you. That'll be a million dollars. And they said, what are you talking about? We just put in all this super fancy equipment, all the high-end stuff. We've got policies, procedures, training, everything we didn't have before. And they said, yeah, well, we want our money back. And then we'll we'll insure you. <laughs> so, so make sure, make sure that you uh you have good practices before you get insurance and get cyber insurance. Super yeah, that's what I was thinking. That that must be something that's grown since the last time we talked. Well, what's the percentage of folks of firms out there, at least I don't know if you can do construction, but just in general who have cyber insurance now? Yeah, so it's ranging. Um, I want to, so interestingly enough, I'm I, the last stats I pulled for cyber insurance were actually for the country of Australia because I'm about to head down there and give a presentation on this kind of stuff. But um, and they're at about, I think about forty five percent or so um, are somewhere in the stages of getting it or aware of it and all of that. But it's less than half, and the United States is around that ballpark as well. Um, and and a lot of organizations that we walk into, we literally just had a one in, a manufacturer in Texas that we've been working with um, that got hit with no cyber insurance, could not afford a three million dollar ransom, you know, you know those kinds of things. And so you never know what what's out there. Um, but but I highly recommend getting it, and and it will and can. And I've seen it save companies. Like we would be bankrupt if we didn't have cyber insurance level you know, uh, situations that we were mm -hmm. called into. So yeah, it's super important. We have, okay, well, we have it. And we, this is what, this is our day job. You know, sure, you never sure. know. Well, thanks for, for, for that advice and those reminders. And uh, I guess just final, final question here. I know we're, we're bad at our time limit here, but what, um, and going to this, I guess, but just with, with all the advances in technology with AI and chat GPT and, um, all these other things that are out there, what what kind of what keeps you up at night and worries you most about cybersecurity today and and uh, maybe in the future as well? So so what's your overall sense of where we are today and how best can businesses uh, um, and individuals prepare for what's ahead? So you mean outside of in five years actually shooting at the terminators from my burned out bunker? <laughs> is that, is that, that's what you're outside of that. That's um, <laughs> yes, no, yes, so, yes, yeah. So. 
But Skynet our, lets us uh, do that. Kind yeah, of stuff, yeah, yeah. Our, our our big our biggest concerns are kind of um, on a bit of a tangent to cybersecurity as well with cybersecurity. Uh, to your point, you mentioned generative AI, large language models. Think Chat GPT. Uh, they are excellent at creating variants at things like infections. You know, we've actually had large language models be able to actually build infections for us. And we've been able to successfully infect computers with them. And so when you are looking at applying uh, an artificial intelligence to this, it can rapidly create, let's say, an infection and then create variants. And the reason why it creates variants and slight code changes is it is attempting to essentially evade threat detection systems that understand the original one. Right. So you see a lot of code changes that are that are going through. So artificial intelligence is going to drop a supercharger in that. And as much as we slap rules and laws around it, let's say here, the Biden administration is in the process of drafting an executive order on um, artificial intelligence. But that's more for the federal government. Uh, a lot of com countries do not have scruples as to how their intelligence agencies can use it. And so the other flip side of that, too, is the absolute avalanche of disinformation and misinformation that that we are going to see as a result of this. Now, we, we've we all seen disinformation, you know, come up in the years. And I'm, for the record, I'm not getting political here. It's just simply is where you've got intelligence agencies basically in the world telling you something that is demonstrably false. Um, the issue with that we have have with generative AI is now that we've got newspapers looking at having these things create articles, and I've literally written articles on this where I had um, the the artificial intelligence create disinformation for me, and I published it, um, you know, uh, under this article. I basically told it, look at the 2028 election. We have president like Jack Smith or whoever it is, and Jack Smith has now been accused of of murdering somebody 20 years ago and trying to cover it up. Write the opening paragraph of a news article basically talking about this and it filled in all the blanks at how people oh are afraid how how you know he's undermined his confidence and credibility and all of this now imagine a thousand of these things cranking out a thousand variants of this article putting them online and then you rob you're on twitter or x or whatever they're going to call themselves next week and you read this and you respond to that you know via tweet and say this doesn't seem right to me i don't think jack smith would do this and now you've got a whole bunch of bots that act like humans uh basically arguing with each other basically coming to a consensus and saying look at all of these different news articles that are saying this left and right you start to lose your sense of reality you start to question yourself even though it doesn't look right because you've got so many human sounding sources now reinforcing that what you know is not right. And this is something that keeps me up at night. This is dovetails directly in because people weaken their defenses. They weaken their security by by virtue of of, of this. And this is something that we have to get a control on or, or we're going to have very, very deep issues, more so than we have now. Well, I, I think it's safe to say that's going to keep me up at night now too. So uh, I'm not You're sure. Welcome. If I'm, that, <laughs> I'm not sure if I, I I'm glad I asked that question or not. But yeah. But Nick, Nick, uh, thanks so much for your time here today. That's about all the time we do have. Um, now you've certainly given us much to think about, a lot to think about, and more than a few helpful tips to implement as well. So it's uh, it's certainly a brave new world we we all find ourselves in now. And, and thanks for all you're doing to help us live and work in, work in that world more safely. Um, so thanks again, Nick, for, for being with us. Um, and thanks for all of you who joined us today. If you have questions for Nick or myself, see the contact info on the webpage with, with, uh, with this podcast. And, and uh, we'll try to get emails going back and forth there as, as well to answer your questions. Now, that said, if you like what you heard here today, please 
please click like and, and, and share it online and, uh, and visit our growing archives for previous episodes of HPAC on the air. Um, so thanks again, everyone. Thank you, Nick, especially for all your time and insight. And uh, everybody, please take care and stay cyber safe out there. Thanks again.